Welcome everybody to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State Athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Cats win their first overtime game since 2010. And now MSU ushers in homecoming league. How are you doing tonight, Thorny? I'm good, and I'm hoping that we never have to play Cal Poly again. How are you doing? Oh, man. I I am so glad Saturday is over. I was a wreck. I was a total wreck Saturday night. Every year I think, like, oh, Cal Poly is not very strong. We'll handle them. And I forget that we just, the triple option is just a nightmare, and it's just an anomaly. Like, they could be down. They're still going to give certain teams fits, and unfortunately the Bobcats are one of them. It's like three to four hours of just pure misery when we play Cal Poly. That's right. And our upcoming opponent, I'll just say a little uh, bit here, uh, for Sacramento State, we did find, and I don't want to insult Colin here, we found a Sacramento State fan who's going to come on here and talk about the Sac State game. So that's pretty exciting. His name is Colin Powers, and he runs a Twitter account called The Hornet House. So we have an interview with him coming up later on the show. I'm excited to share it with you guys. Hell of a name, Colin Powers. Amazing name. Let's do a show outline, Thorny. So we're going to go over some key topics. We're going to talk about a beer. We're going to do a game preview. Well, first, we're actually going to talk a game recap. We're going to talk about the Cal Poly game. And then after we do the game preview, we'll go into Colin's interview. We're going to give you guys some uh, golden koozie questions as they come and go. And Thorny was the guy that made the buyer sell this week. And we'll recap our bold prediction. Yep. First, be prepared for my horrible buy or sell segment. You <laughs> tasked me with that. Be careful what you wish for. I've been looking forward to it all week, man. <laughs> it's not very I really good. Really have I? Really have. <laughs> Carry on. Let's let's keep okay. moving. Okay. So uh, let's talk about our beers. What do you got, Thorny? Tonight I have one of my favorites. I busted it out just for this. The Kettle House Brewing Company Cold Smoke. One of my favorite scotches. There is delicious. It's in my golden koozie. Amazing. Delicious. That's a heavy hitter. That's a, that's a big beer right there. Not like big as in like alcohol big. That's just like a known beer. Well, it's big in everything. It's a big can. It's also 6.5% like alcohol. Yeah, it's big. It's big all around. Nice. They only Great sell selection. it in like uh, eight packs. Like eight <laughs> or 16. I think you can get a 16 pack, but it's it's a weird little thing because it's such a, it's a pint. It's a whole pint. Nice. What do you got there? I have this crazy beer that I picked up at Trader Joe's, and I totally was not going to pick it up, but you know, I saw the can and I couldn't resist it. It's from Rogue. It's called Bat Squatch, Hazy India Pale Ale. Bat Squatch, kind of like Sasquatch, but with a bat. And <laughs> I texted you a photo of it earlier. Is that a baseball bat? No, it. <laughs> it's like the night, like Batman bat. So. <laughs> It is, it's, um, it's actually really delicious. I really like the hazies uh, from Rogue Brewing over in Oregon. But we will tweet out a picture uh, that we took. And it's, uh, if you see it, I highly recommend picking it up. Rogue does some good beer for sure. Oh, yeah. I like their hazelnut uh, brown ale. I, l- I just really like brown. So it's coming into that season. I'm looking forward to the scene. So. Do you drink any beers without some sort of haze in it? Hazelnut, hazy IPA? Do you do you, you drink know, any beers without that? 
you wouldn't think so, but uh, I do. I, I do like my Miller Lite. So to start off the news, we have the latest FCS poll. Bobcats hold steady at number six. What do you think about that? I'm kind of surprised. I actually expected us to fall one or two spots. I expected the Grizz to leapfrog us. The fact that we stay at number six, I think is kind of a a national show of respect just to kind of what the Bobcats are building and just to know that like, hey, a win's a win. Let's not analyze it too much. They won on the road. Keep them where they are. How about your thoughts? What do you think? Pretty much exactly yours. Uh, I thought the Grizz, did the Grizz drop? One spot? Did Am I seeing that right? No, I think they, are they one behind us? I actually don't remember. I think they're coming at number eight this week. Yeah, I think they may have, I think they stayed possibly. But yeah, I, I was just expecting them to bump up more, but they did not. Yeah, well, you know, a big sky road win, I think that has, you know, a little bit of clout to it. And so when the voters are looking at that, I think they just, you know, kind of give you the nod. So. Ultimately, I think it's hard to drop a team after they win. Like, it's just, it's hard. Like. A win's a win's a win. Exactly right. So, well, how did you vote in this week's Big Sky Podcast Power Ranking? So I put the Grizz number one, second week in a row I've done that. Uh, Weaver number two. I got the Cats third. Right behind the Cats, I got Sac State, and then I got NAU. You and I, for once perhaps, carbon copies of each other on our Big Sky. I mean, really, the th- top three are solidified in my opinion. You could say they're interchangeable, but I had exact same way you did. Uh, beyond that, though, no one's proving anything, and, and everyone's kind of had a bad loss. So it's I'd have to put Sac State up there just because they haven't had that bad loss yet, but they haven't really proven anything. And NAU bounced back after a loss to us. But other, other than that, like you see, you see Davis had a, another loss, Eastern loss. I like guess just the conference isn't shaping up the way that I think most people thought it would be at this point in the season. Totally different. I mean, if you look in the media poll and the coaches poll, Eastern Washington and UC Davis were number one, number two preseason. <laughs> Eastern Washington is effectively out of the top 25 on life support right now, and UC Davis is hanging on by a thread. How about that? It's crazy. Like, they, they might still factor in the conference race, and I'm sure they will, but they're not, they're not going to finish one and two. That's just not going to happen anymore. Man, Eastern Washington has one Division One win as of today. Think I about that. I saw a stat that they've given up last year. They gave up 26 sacks all year. They've given up like 22 already. Like I saw a tweet on that. It just like, makes me that much more happy to see that with any sort of quarterback struggle we're having, we've been sacked like six total times all year, like once once a game. So that's pretty impressive. And I can see why uh, Eastern be struggling, with the, even with a mobile quarterback like that. It's kind of amazing to see he's been sacked that many times. Yeah. People over here in Spokane are just like besides themselves right now. It's great. I'm not too upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thorny, did you, catch a, uh, did you catch the press conference today? I did. And my number one takeaway is Greg Filer Munchie is suiting up and he's not just dipping his toes in per Jeff Choate. Man, that's going to be a huge addition in the back end. Man, we can really use him. It's kind of like uh, a hindsight twenty twenty. Like it's or that's not the right phrase, but it would have been nice to have for Northern Arizona, which is where they're hoping he'd be back by. He would have made a big difference. Ultimately, end up winning the game, but with a pass happy team like Northern Arizona, like I mean, he's a preseason conference guy. So like, I want to talk about this later on in the episode. But we've been doing a lot 
at five and one with some guys missing and Greg Fowler is one of them. And I think we just kind of reflect on that, but I'm excited to see him back and it's going to be a huge piece of stopping the Sac State Kevin Thompson passing game. Yeah. Um, I just hope he doesn't have too much rust, but uh, like Choate said, he's just going to get into the pool. He's not going to dip his toe in there. And so we, we're going to need him. You never know. Like a, a rusty guy like that still might be better than what we have. Not that the guys have played bad, but I just think he'll, it might take him a quarter to get back into it, but I think he'll get back into it pretty quick. Yeah. If anything, we could, you know, give Tyrell Thomas a spell. He's been doing some good work on the outside, but past couple of games, I noticed he's been been picked on. And I, I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about Tyrell Thomas, but I think this is largely because of just his, you know, size, his height, honestly. He's been in position to make some plays. And honestly, I think he's gotten kind of burned a few times. But when he's been in position, it's it's a little hard because, yeah, he's 5'8". So it, yeah. it's it's hard. It's hard to make plays. And what is Munchie, 6'1", six, 6'0", six somewhere in that range? Uh, I think he's five or you know, six foot. Yeah, six foot or six one. So it'll be exciting to get some length back with Munchie. Uh, the other the other one is I saw Coy Steele is back on the depth chart, expected to start. I think that's a big shot in the arm for the passing game because honestly, he's been our most productive wide receiver to date. I won't say our best wide receiver, but he's definitely been our most productive wide receiver. So that's exciting. For sure, good to see him back. Sound like he had a little whiplash. Hopefully he's feeling all right. And the other thing I thought was pretty interesting, and I think this fits into you and me quite well, Cho said, I was a three o'clock game time. I can't remember two or three, but he says, gives folks plenty of time to pre-function and get them at full throat. I thought that was a, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty funny way of describing a bunch of drunk people yelling. So <laughs> I'm on board with you and I getting full throat for this one. What do you think? Well, Thorny, you're just leaking it right over there. I don't know if our listeners know this, but you and I are going to be at the game this Saturday. We're making the pilgrimage to Bozeman. Big news for us. I mean, I don't know if we've reiterated this enough. I know that uh, our introduction says we live in Washington, but we don't get to go back to games. So we'll talk about this a little later on. But yes, we are going back to Bozeman and we're pumped. Cool. Yeah, we're going to be walking around the tailgates. I plan on bringing a couple golden koozies to, to give out to the people we meet. It'd be cool to meet up with some of you guys if you want to send us like a, you know, a, a message on the, on the Twitter machine or on Bobcat Nation. And uh, we can maybe arrange to kind of meet up and just, you know, talk cats or just drink a beer, whatever you want to do. It'll be good to see you guys. I'll sign autographs. <laughs> well, uh, I just had this picture of you signing some guy's chest, you know, <laughs> with a Sharpie. <laughs> Oh man, that's unfortunate. Because I now that you said that, my vision is obviously a hairy chest. I don't want to be anywhere near this conversation. Can, can we move on to the game recap? Moving now? on to the game recap against the <laughs> Cal Poly Mustangs. All right, so yes, we did beat Cal Poly. I know you and I were talking a little bit about our flashbacks from last year as Cal Poly came storming back in the fourth quarter, scored twenty-one points. And I believe, I want to say they scored 14 points in about three minutes into the fourth quarter. It was terrifying. So let's talk a little bit about the stats. So the Bobcats and the Cal Poly Mustangs, one of the first stats I look at is first downs, dead even at 20 apiece. The Bobcats obviously have better balance, eight first downs passing, 10 first downs rushing. Cal Poly's 15 rushing, as you might expect. 
third down efficiency. The Bobcats did pretty good against a triple option team. They held them to 10 at 23. 23 third down op- opportunities. That seems pretty high to me, but 10 at 23, 43%. I mean, that's pretty decent against the Cal Poly team, a little bit higher than the Bobcats have been averaging so far this year. Total offense, 376 to 340. The Bobcats got 163 yards through the air through Tucker Rovig. All passes him. None of the uh, fly sweeps or any of those little things that we do sometimes. The Mustangs were held to just 80 yard, 89 yards passing, which I know that doesn't that it's triple option, right? But that's actually pretty good for what they have been averaging. Mm-hmm. And the Bobcats, surprisingly, I thought they would dominate the rushing game a little bit more. They only rushed for 213 yards, but at the same time, you know, we didn't get that many opportunities because Cal Poly dominated the time of possession. But the Bobcats did end up averaging 5.6 yards per rush, which is about where we've been all year. Mustangs end up with 251. And the time of possession was the big one, 38 minutes, almost 39 minutes for the Mustangs, just about 21 minutes for the Bobcats. Pretty impressive. We were able to be as efficient as we were, scoring as often as we did, considering how little we had the ball. You know, a couple of days removed from this game, I have a little bit more perspective. What comes to mind is the Resolve the Bobcat show. And I think I was thinking about that when Jeff Choate was talking in his presser today about how he just noticed the guys on the, on the sidelines saying, you know, don't flinch. We got this. We're, no, we're not, we're, not, we're not worried about this. We're, we're going to take care of business. Like, that is something new that it's been building, right? But it's something new that is really tangible this year. I mean, the Cats now have, have two comeback wins. One against NAU and one against uh, Cal Poly. In fact, we've been down a couple games like early on, but I wouldn't call those comeback wins, so to say. Just the resolve the catch show is really impressive. I have a little bit more appreciation for the game today than I did Saturday or Sunday. But uh, yeah, I think that's where I'm standing right now. The Bobcats are just more mentally tough than they have been the last few years and probably... I hate to contrast this, but probably more mentally tough now than I think we ever were under Rob Ash. We're just, it just doesn't phase us. We're down, keep doing exactly what we're doing and just have faith that that's going to work. And it has been. And I think that's such a key difference. Like instead of just like, it'd be so easy to be up 21 to seven, or I'm sorry, 28 to seven, have them come storming back. And then how many times have you seen that play out where a team is up like that? get up that lead, go to overtime, and it's a continuation. They just fold. But we just bucked up. Defense made some stops. And Travis Johnson just took over, and boom. Overtime was dominated by us. And I think that just goes back to just being mentally tough and what Jeff Joe was talking about, what you were just alluding to. I think that's just a huge step forward for the Bobcat program. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're 5-1 and one right now. And, <laughs> I mean, you and I are fully aware of what people are saying about the Bobcats right now. We're five and one. Just sit in on that for a moment, okay? I want to, uh, I had a little thing I want to say about this. I wasn't sure I was going to interject it, but this is a good time since you're kind of bringing it up. We're five and one. We got to (laughs) really think about this though. We're five and one. We don't have a preseason guy, Isaiah Fonze. He's been, he's been very limited. He hasn't hardly played. Troy Anderson is not making Troy Anderson plays on offense lately because he's been very limited as well. In fact, Cal Poly game, he played most of the game. I don't even think he saw a snap on offense, did he? 
Not that I can recall. Greg Filer has been out, so we're playing a true sophomore cornerback in Tyree Gibson, who, I mean, obviously he's a sophomore, true sophomore. He must have played enough last year, but he didn't really get any reps at quarterback that I remember. We're winning with a redshirt sophomore quarterback and or a redshirt freshman who entered the year basically with like two combined starts between the two of them. We're winning big games against top 25 teams. We're winning road games. We're in the top 10 for the first time in, what, 2014 or something? Yeah, we have holes, and they warrant a discussion, but this team deserves your praise. It deserves your attention because we're a damn good team, and I believe our ceiling is only higher because Jeff Choate's teams always have proven they get better throughout the year. So I see people getting down on it. Like I said, we deserve some criticism, but it has to be talked about in a constructive way, not like a woe is me. These holes are so glaring, we're not going to go anywhere. So I just want to take a minute to talk about and appreciate the fact where we are as a program compared to where we were two years ago. It's just, it's impressive to me. And I just want people to kind of just take a step back and just appreciate it for what it is. Wasn't you off my soapbox? Yeah, wasn't it you who was telling me about Tom Stuber's text about how how many top quarterbacks are looking up at the quarterbacks right now, right? Or looking up at the Montana State Bobcats right now? Somebody did, did a comparison of uh, like top quarterbacks. I don't know if it was FCS wide or Big Sky wide. Just like the top five percent or whatever versus the bottom five percent, like and just how the winning records are. Like most of the high profile passing guys aren't on good teams. So yeah, that's kind of goes, and that's just what it is. Like you don't need a great quarterback to win football games. And the big sky is proving that the top teams are proving that. So are you ready to tackle the quarterback conversation right now? Let's talk a little bit more about Cal Poly before we kind of get into the quarterback picture as a whole. What did you think of the defense against Cal Poly? And where do you think it kind of all started collapsing for us that allowed Cal Poly to get back in the game? Okay. So, First, let's just talk about the defense. I was thinking about this today as I was teaching math class. <laughs> and um, it was just a passing thought in between periods. And the thought is this. own has done better than I thought he would. And if you go back and listen to our preseason stuff, I had some big reservations about Kane. And it just mainly was holdover stuff from 2015. I just want to applaud Kane for doing the job he's done because the deficiencies we've seen in the Bobcat defense has been taken care of from week to week. And I think our D-line is playing at an elite level right now. I think uh, we have solid play on the back end. And our, our linebackers have been doing a lot better in this in these zone coverages that we've been doing. And that really has been our gripe in the last couple of weeks. And so I just want to say, nice job, Kane. And I really think he's making really good in-game adjustment. I agree. Like, it's uh, the first couple games, the, the tackling looked subpar. Like, oh, great. Here we go again. Kane Ione is in charge. The, the, the tackling looks like just like it did in 2000. Uh, was it 15? I'm sorry, 2014. This is eluding me right now, but it looked like just like he was when he's defense coordinator. And no one's been talking about Kane Owen since then. And I I consider that a good thing. Like it's a no one's questioning the play calling or the coaching anymore on defense. Like we so I think that's really a tribute to Kane I own. And you just you you kind of mentioned the linebacker play. I just want to give a huge shout out to Callahan O'Reilly. Holy cow, where did he come from? He looked phenomenal against Cal Poly. Yeah. Like, he's got the size. Uh, he was flying to the ball. 
that's another thing I, I think I sh- I forgot to mention in our uh, my little <laughs> soapbox rant there is like our linebackers like Nolan Askelson and uh, and Callahan O'Reilly those are guys that haven't had a whole lot of snaps and even Troy Anderson hasn't had a whole lot of snaps so so much room for improvement just based on guys getting their first real experience that I think that we can only get better as these season progresses. We're not going to get worse in any area. There's no way we get worse in any single area, in my opinion. And that just makes me excited. And it was only kind of proven here tonight that Cal, or not tonight, uh, yesterday when Callahan O'Reilly came out of nowhere and just had an amazing game. So let's loop back to the second part of your question, which was when did our defense start to collapse right after they started scoring that I mean, they went on 21 points in the fourth quarter. So what was the onset to that? I don't remember the exact uh, sequence of events. Was it, um, did Rovick throw the interception and then it was the Padmos punt and then it was a personal foul on uh, Zach Red? It's and either I, Zach Red or Connor Wood. I can't remember. But it was an offensive line. But is that the the sequence though? It, yeah, I don't know if if, if uh, Rovick, see in my mind, I, I, I was thinking Padmos had the punt first the shank punt for five yards, and then the next series was... Hey, six Rovig. yards, give him some credit. <laughs> <laughs> Gee. Well, whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like a sequence of events that couldn't have gone worse for the Cats. And as Cat fans, it's almost like we've experienced this over and over again in some some sort of fashion being a Cat fan. So, And I guess that goes back to our original dialogue in this podcast today was kind of like, you know, years back, we would have folded Cal Poly would have won that game. I mean, we haven't won in Cal Poly since when? It's been a long time. But, you know, the resolve of the Bobcats this year is just so good. And they didn't flinch. They came back. Like you said, we bowed up on overtime. And we just we just do what we do now. And I, I'm just really impressed by that. Exactly. Like the Bobcats just came to play on the, on the end. I thought Derek Marks made some outstanding plays at the end. I think it... Uh... Anytime you can tackle a triple option team behind the line of scrimmage, get some tackles for losses, more than impressive. And I thought, honestly, the defense really came out outside of that first <laughs> 14, 13-minute drive that Cal Poly had that lasted. Did that go into the second quarter? It did not. It was 12 minutes, but 12 minutes about took my soul right there. Oh, man. I th- that was a soul-sucking drive, as as Drift Trot likes to say, but... After that point, though, the Bobcat defense clamped down and the offense took over. And I thought Tukarovic, that first half, looked really good. But when we came to the second half, and and Jeff Choate alluded to in his press conference, it just seemed to take the gas off the pedal. And then it was just those that weird, fluky sequence that left Cal Poly back in the game. But for, I think for the most part, that, that we dominated the Cal Poly team. And it just, we couldn't finish. It was almost a complete flip-flop of, uh, we started relatively fast and finished slow but i mean we ultimately finished strong with the overtime but we shouldn't ever got to that point yeah let's move on to rovig how about that so i just think that the defense just did what they could at the end to win the game but i think the big story that you and i need to talk about that's kind of the hot topic right now is well i guess we'll first just preface this by saying what did you think of tucker rovig's performance against the mustangs can i preface your preface I think the thought, that just, yeah, the thought just came into my mind. I just want to reiterate this. We are a fan-based podcast, and, this, and Ryan and I are just talking about you know, what we see. So um, if, if, if you disagree with us, we 
totally encourage that. But uh, and I also want to say, if you're like me, <laughs> not like fully, if you if see what you see, if you saw it on Pluto TV, you didn't see very much. Continue. You 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 watched it on SWX. I assume the feed was much better. Yeah, it was. But uh, I was in Pluto was awful. A bit, so <laughs> that what I was seeing was really clouded by just me being really upset too. What I saw on yeah, what I saw on Tucker Rovig, second drive of the game for the Bobcats, fourth down, he throws an absolute dime to Kevin Cassis. I would say an ill-advised throw because Cassis makes an amazing catch, but it was due to an amazingly placed ball by Tucker Rovig. Looks legit. I think Tucker Rovig uh, comes out of this game with 160, what was it, 165 yards, 163 yards? Yeah, I think 163. Honestly, if I'm Tucker Rovig, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I know there's a lot of flack being shown his way, but he did a he had a nice game. He made, in my estimation, one to two bad throws. One being obviously the, the interception, which he just kind of floated. It looked just different than every other ball he's thrown this year. He just tried to finesse it in my mind and it just, you know, into double coverage to Cassis had no chance. I honestly think he just did not see the safety. He just put that up there as a catchable ball for his receiver to catch and throw a score touchdown on. I just don't think he saw the safety. The other one that I was thinking of was a pass to McCutcheon. Uh, he had McCutcheon on his slant, and McCutcheon probably could have laid out for it. I think it hit his hands, at least grazed his hands. Uh, it went incomplete. Maybe if Tucker puts it right on the numbers there, McCutcheon has at least a first down, if not bigger yardage. But then he comes back on the opposite side of the field and throws the same exact route to Travis Johnson, who just lets it go through his hands. Again, Johnson doesn't make a big play. For all the accolades we've been giving Johnson, or we will be giving Johnson, he's missed some pretty easy pass plays this year, some big-time catches that he should have made, that being one of them. And so for me to see the feedback on Tucker Roadbig be so negative and people just wanting to go, hey, let's just switch it up and let's just go right to number 10, you know, I don't, I don't believe that. And here's, and I'm, here's why, Thorny. If we go straight to Travis Johnson, we're going back to Detroit Anderson offense. And that is not what we want. They're going to stack the box. Travis Johnson has not proven himself to be a passer. We need that element of passing. Tucker Rovig can pass the ball. He might not be an elite passer right now. But I said this last week. We have four to five games ahead of us that he can make some strides before we get into the UC Davis in the Grizzly game. We need him to continue to make those strides. He needs to continue to come out. I was so happy when he came out in Cal Poly. He had in the great first half. His confidence, whatever happened in the second half, was not there. But you know what? Give him time. I think we're going to see some good growth out of him. Oh, I agree. I think he did have a great first half. I think a lot of that is because I think maybe the the coaching staff, Jeff Jordan Company, saw this game as an opportunity or maybe they saw something they could exploit to throw the ball to kind of get Rovig some confidence. And honestly, I think if that's... So he threw that interception, yes. That was not a great throw. Quarterbacks make bad throws. Like, we're, we're kind of spoiled by the fact that our quarterbacks don't make great throws, which means they don't make interceptions. So when throw interceptions, it, it magnifies kind of the ineptitude that we see from that position. So he makes that bad throw. But if the rest of the game doesn't collapse the way it does... It's not that big a deal as it was if he just made that one reception and we still end up winning 35 to 21. 
Like it, it greatly affects how he sees himself. I still think he had a lot to build from this game. I think it was a pretty good rebound game from the Northern Arizona game, a lot to build on. And I think uh, against a team like Sacramento State, we're going to need more of it to kind of circle back to a, a something you were talking about a little bit earlier. One of the guys I've been the highest on since the middle of last year is Travis Johnson at wide receiver because I just could see the kind of athlete he is. And I've been just waiting for him to have a breakout at wide receiver. And I was so excited to have to see him have a whole offseason kind of devoted to a craft he's never done. Really, he just hasn't made catches that you would expect him to make at the wide wide receiver position. And you kind of wonder if that's why he's playing so much a quarterback because he's such a good athlete. Yes, when he's got the ball in his hands, he's very dynamic. But if he's not making catches, you got to find a different way to get the, the ball in his hand. So I think that maybe that's why he's taking a little bit more at the uh, wildcat position. What 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 are, what are your thoughts on that kind of uh, take I just had? Well, I think he's taking the wildcat snaps because he's he's like the second coming of Troy Anderson back there right now, right? I mean, he provides what Troy Anderson gave us last year, and he doesn't fumble the ball. So ball security, number one. But yeah, he has that intangible uh, quality to him in the backfield right now that just makes him really hard to stop. So I don't think it has anything to do with him not being able to catch the ball. I think he has caught the ball. I mean, we're, we're talking about a handful of passes his way, but those passes were could have been game-changing plays, you know? So despite his ineffectiveness in the catching the ball area, if that's what we want to call it, uh, he's really doing good running that uh, plus-one run game. Well, that's true, and I think he was also our, you know, our leading receiver against Cal Poly, which is just Bobcat players have just ridiculous stat lines like that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess it could boil it down to I just had really high hopes for him in the receiving department, and you just alluded to that uh, earlier that pass on a slant where he had a five yard cushion on his guy, and it was a little high, but it went right, right through his hands. Like he's just got to make that catch. If he catches that, even if he has to stop his stride. He gets 10 more yards minimum out of that. That's a 20-yard gain instead of a third down incompletion punt. It's just, I'm just hoping to see him make those kind of plays move forward because I know he's capable of doing it. And I just wasn't sure if that was really factoring into his increased role at quarterback or if it's just the fact that we want Troy healthy on defense. So here's Troy 1.5, Travis Johnson on offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thorny, I got to ask you this, buddy. Do you, in your estimation, what do you want to see a quarterback right now? Honestly, I just want to see confidence. Like it's the stat line against Cal Poly wasn't awful. Like it's not great, but it's not like a stat line that's going to lose you a game. I just want a guy who's going to have faith in his receivers, who's going to make the right reads, who's going to come back there and just throw the ball with confidence. Like I, I think all of our quarterbacks have the physical tools to do so. It just seems to be a whole various mental things. Maybe it's uh, maybe with uh, Bauman, it's more of his footwork, and he's just not focused on his footwork, and he just has some issues thinking about how to throw the ball. Or with Rovig, it's more of a confidence issue. But I just want them to be back there throwing it with, with confidence and – just leading the team, and that's really what we need. Like, you get to complete five passes 
on 10 attempts and will win by 21 if you do it in the correct way. So I just think that's what I want to see. How about you? Well, I don't want to see a scrap what we've been doing. I think we need to continue to build on the steps we've made. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. So I think in that in that sense, I think we need to keep Rovig as QB1. I think we still need to have Johnson take quite a few snaps. A couple things that come to mind with Johnson is I think he's, he holds that play. I mean, the Johnson play is what? It, who is it? Comes across on the fly sweep. Is it Logan Jones? Yeah, that, I think it's Jones a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, that went for a 55-yard touchdown in, was that the SEMO game or something like that? Oh, the little floater pass? Yeah. That's yeah. the last time I've seen them do that. Johnson's pulled it pretty much every damn time from that. His tendency is not to hit that fly sweep. I kept waiting for it in the Cal Poly game. I'm like, okay, here it comes. You know, he pulls it down, and I can't, I can't blame him because Johnson's doing his deal, and he's pretty good at doing his deal, right? Maybe we got to mix it up. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we got to the end of the season and the Troy run left, run right kind of deal. Well, that Johnson pulling that and running inside zone, you know, it's the same thing. But it's had really good success so far. Will it continue to have good success? I don't know. I kind of feel like Jeff Choate alluded to something that might be kind of playing into what you're talking about here in the press conferences. You know, just win the ball game. When it comes down to who has to win the game, you do what you got to do to win. And apparently the coaching staff right now feels Johnson just keeping the ball in his hands is what we need to do to win. Yeah. I still think we need Tucker Robert. No, no, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, like, instead of him doing that little uh, fly sweep pass or whatever to Logan, I just think they almost kind of want him to keep the ball because they just have faith in him. And then that's what's been working. So just keep going with it. I can see that. All right, now we're going to move on to Sac State. They're sitting at three and two, one and zero in the Big Sky. They have win over Southern Oregon University, a Division two school, to start off the year. Uh, they have a loss against Arizona State. Next at nineteen and seven, and so they gave Arizona State a pretty good game there, Corny. And I actually uh, watched that game. That was what formed my initial impression of Sac State being. A good Big Sky Conference team. Yeah. They come at Northern Colorado. I don't know if that was a conference game for them. I don't think it was. If you, if you just scored it 1-0 and in conference play, it must not have been. So if that's true, they're only 1-0, then yeah, that was, <laughs> must have been at a conference. 50 to nothing against the Bears Ooh, there. Blanked them. They just put it to them. Yeah. Uh, and the week after that, they lose to Fresno State in a close one, 34-20. And then last week, not surprisingly, they took down Eastern Washington 48-27 and it just looked absolutely dominant. We caught the end of that game and they looked they looked sharp, man. Specifically their defense and their uh, Kevin Thompson, their quarterback is just he's something that the Cats will have their full attention. In my mind, there's no doubt that Sac State was going to lose that game and they proved me right on that one. There were some people talking about like, "Oh, Eastern will rebound." I'm like, "No." Not against Sac State, they won't. So Sac State, I think, is the real deal. Um, to help us talk a little bit about Sacramento State being the real deal, we brought in Colin Powers of a Twitter account called The Hornet House. So he, I think he just started it, was it last year, if I recall, from our conversation with Colin? Yeah, that sounds about right. He started kind of just uh, 
Basically, his friends encouraged him to stop tweeting so much about Sac State on his own personal timeline. So he created a an account <laughs> he called the the Hornet House, where he basically just uh, retweets and makes hot takes, reactive tweets, as he says, on the Hornet football team. So we brought him on board to talk a little bit from the fan perspective about Sac State and the upcoming game with Montana State. So we'll go ahead and play that interview for you now. Enjoy. Now we welcome Colin Powers of the Hornet House. How are you doing tonight, Colin? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing good. Uh, Colin, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what is your connection to Sacramento State? All right. Yeah. So uh, my name is Colin. Uh, I uh, am a recent graduate of Sac State. Um, you know, I actually I came from uh, Southern California. Sacramento was never on my radar. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even realize that they had a D1 football team until I got there. Uh, and so once I, w- I got there, I started getting involved in the school and I found out that, you know, they had a program, they, they had tailgates. It was super awesome. I, I loved the environment. And, uh, you know, I just kind of fell in love with the, uh, the program and uh, the, just the, the school atmosphere surrounding it. And uh, I saw ways that it could be improved and you know, I, I graduated and now I just uh, go on Twitter and I go on rants about how I think it could be better. <laughs> That's awesome because, uh, you know, we are a fan-based podcast, so we're always trying to connect with other fans of schools. Like, we've had a few media people on here to talk about uh, their, our upcoming opponents, but we've, uh, you know, we're always looking for fans to come on. So glad to have you on and uh, to talk some Sacramento State football with us. Gotcha. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So, Colin, uh, one of the first things that comes to mind is Sac State has a new coach, Troy Taylor. How's he yes. been? Yeah, I mean, he's been a shot in the arm for the Hornets. So uh, we were wondering, how's he changing the culture over there? All right, I just want to say that I have nothing but respect for Jody Sears, the previous coach of Sacramento State. I, I, think, I think he filled in uh, at, a, at a time where we needed him, and I think he was great. I do have to say that Troy Taylor has completely changed the atmosphere, the pace, just the team, like just the players themselves. It, it's just, it's so great to see. There's no play. There's no sequence. There's, I always have faith in my team. And that's something that I really don't think Sac State fans can say they've had before. And it's even crazier that he's using the same players. It's just, <laughs> I can't even explain it. You know, I, I'm not a D1 coach, but. Troy Taylor is godsend, and I love I I I love him. <laughs> He's the best. Hey, the second part to that question would be like, so how has Taylor been taking advantage of, or and not taking advantage, but leveraging those same players? I think it it starts with Kevin Thompson, the the quarterback for Sac State. For those of you who don't know, I he. He's a fantastic player, and since day one, he came in and he completely dominated the position of quarterback for us and that was always to me it seemed like a weak spot kevin kevin is a guy who can run he can throw and he he's a really universal player um you know he actually started at unlv um and then he came over here after some injuries and now he's what i think this is his fifth year he was granted two extra years of eligibility from the ncaa but he uh you know troy taylor he is quarterback's coach um and i his training for Kevin has just been, I, I don't know what it has been, but he's just been using him in just like, I don't even know how to word this. He's, he's just been 
capitalizing on his effectiveness and decision making, and it's it, it's very noticeable. Nice. Yeah, Sacramento's always been able to have good talent, so and everything kind of runs through the quarterback positions. So it seems that maybe he's just putting more emphasis on feeding the game through a veteran quarterback like Kevin Thompson, who is averaging almost 300 yards a game. Exactly. No, Sacramento, one, I didn't even realize this coming from Southern California, but it's a hotbed of football talent. Oh, sure. Every every high school around there is, is ranked. It has, you know, four, three, four-star recruits. Like, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, and so the, the fact that if, if we can land any of that talent, now that, you know, maybe if we start winning and uh, get some cred to back our program, it'd, it'd be awesome. We, I mean, shoot, most of our coaching staff is from Folsom High School. Uh, Troy Taylor <laughs> used to coach over there. Yeah, it, and I, I had my doubts coming into the season, but, uh, you know, they're, they're making it work. And it, it's great to see from, from my perspective, from a fan's perspective. So speaking of Kevin Thompson here, kind of going off on this subject, what do the Bobcats need to do do you think to get him off of his game you know so i think if they can stop the the thing i noticed ew uh eastern washington doing this weekend was if they could get pressure on him and surround him in the pocket because i you know i like i know he likes to run and, and full disclosure i've never played football i i, I swam and i played water polo so my football knowledge is <laughs> severely limited you know i don't know I don't know. You see, okay, here here's my here's my thing. We like to throw to Pierre Williams. He's I he, Pierre Williams and Parker Clayton, who's a freshman, are some of the best receivers on our team right now. If they're covered, I I don't know who else he throws to. Uh Elijah Dotson's a great running back. Uh but if they can cover those two, then you know, I I don't know who who else he has, what other options he has. So you think if you take away maybe his first and second options, then he might be more prone to run. And if and yeah, and if they can stop that, then it's it's game over. All right. Well, there's the there's a game plan. I like the sound of that. Possibly we have a hard time giving up some big plays this year here and there, but we have been able to kind of contain some of the bigger playmakers and the biggest guys so far. Right. Right. Colin, you mentioned uh, Elijah Dotson. He lit. 2018 on fire but he's kind of off to a slow start right now what what's that about see i think in 2018 he was our he was our only weapon Mm -hmm. Uh, i i think you know i i was actually concerned after the 2018 season that he was going to try and get out of sack and because really he's a stud i i feel like he i don't know what he came out of high school as but he could really he i don't know what that man can't do he's he's fast he's strong he he's a great running back and so when last year when our offense was kind of stalling, I, I think we just – our default was just go, dude, run it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think this year since our, our offense has so many other weapons, I think that maybe he's not being utilized as much, but he's just as effective. Yeah, he, uh, he came up – he had a 100-yard game against Eastern. That was his first 100-yard game. And he only has two touchdowns on the season, which is surprising. And that was both against your Division two opponent. And so I'll, he definitely is a guy that we're going to watch out. He's going to be a guy that Jeff Chilton names in person tomorrow in his Monday conference. And so uh, he's definitely on our radar. So uh, right. for sure, I mean, you guys are experiencing a lot of success right now. I mean, I believe it hasn't come out, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys are in the top 25 of the FCS rankings this week when they come out. My question to you is, being kind of close to the program, how do you think Sac State's going to handle success? You know, 
I, I don't know. Uh, in the 2017-2018 season, when we, we went 7-4 and kind of out of nowhere, um, I don't think the school or, nor the, the student population really saw that coming. It, it's honestly disheartening because, uh, you know, when you're at Sac State, you can be at a tailgate and there's, you know, the, it feels like the entire student population's there. And then you get to a game and everybody kind of either didn't make it inside or there was something else to do. It, it's kind of a, I feel like it's a battle we have to win with the, uh, with the fans just to show up to the game because everybody kind of has a image in their head of Sac State sucking. And that's not who we are. It's not maybe in the past, but today we don't. Yeah. I think, I think Sac State, I don't know if they're going to feel the success at home. And, um, you know, I was actually, when you guys asked me to come on here, I was kind of trying to think of brainstorm some questions you might ask. You know, in my head, I, I always worry about Sac State playing in front of real crowds. I don't know mm. if you guys have, if you've seen uh, video or like watched the Pluto broadcast of the Sac State games, but we the stands are usually pretty empty we mm-hmm. still for whatever reason we, we have a home and away side and uh the away side's always empty and the home side's maybe 50 percent full mm-hmm. the atmosphere at the games really isn't really isn't great i hate to say it it's it's not it's not great sacramento state has a pretty big uh stadium though capacity wise don't they Twenty-one thousand, if i'm not mistaken um it's one of the biggest in the big sky top 25 i think i'm yeah, not sure yeah and and that definitely doesn't help when it's not full <laughs> it's 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 almost like a you need to show up or it, it looks empty um so yeah I, I don't know if sac state's gonna feel the success i think maybe i think the players definitely do um, and that's great but will they get that boost at home when you know there's a bigger crowd i think they're gonna have to win a couple they're going to have to establish a tradition of success before the school feels it, unfortunately. Would a uh, win against the Bobcats mean to the program against the, will probably be number six or number seven tomorrow, somewhere in that range. But yeah, top 10 program again in the big sky. What, what would that win mean to the Sac State program? I think it would be incredible. Honestly, uh, Montana State, Montana, the, the top tier big sky schools, they're, you know, Whenever you go up against them, you want to win. Um, and I feel like Sac State's usually on the bottom end of the big sky, unfortunately. Um, it, I, don't want to, I don't want to say program-defining, but I think season, a season highlight, of course. Uh, you guys are, what, 5-0, five and, five and oh, big sky? 5-1? and 5-0 five and, five and oh against FCS. We did lose to Texas oh. Tech. Oh, <laughs> that happens. Uh, well, I mean, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, you got. It's a fantastic program. I was looking over your wins, and you. I I got confused because I I totally um forgot that you guys have a, a new quarterback now. Um, we don't but, know who's going to be next week, probably. <laughs> oh really? Uh, that's a subject for a whole nother. <laughs> that's a, that's a, for another time. Got you. Well, no, I, it's it's going to be a big deal. Um, honestly, any win against a ranked team is a big deal because, frankly, I I don't think we're used to that. Um, last night watching the EW, uh, the Eastern Washington game, I was absolutely losing my mind because I truthfully have had my doubts about Sac State. They've gotten my hopes up and then they've dashed it. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we, we ended up winning. And, you know, this is a, I, it's a Taylor era. It's the, the team that is just playing out of their minds. And, you know, it's, I have hope 
for once and, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. And I, if we could come out, come out with a win over Montana state, then, you know, there's no telling what we could do. For sure. Well, Colin, you guys are going to have your handful because Sac state arguably has the toughest second half schedule in the oh, big God. sky. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there is no rest for the weary after. I mean, I think you guys play Montana right after us, after they come off a bye and, you play UC Davis, you play, I mean, you already played Eastern and knocked them off, which is awesome. But the powers of the big sky, uh, you're taking them on, all of them. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess what I really want to know is, what is a measure of success that you would say, okay, we had a successful season, given that you guys really do have the toughest schedule of the big sky? Right. I mean, honestly, I think a successful season maybe won't I think okay there's a couple ways I could I could say we have a successful season one and on debatably the biggest for me is just a win over Davis at the end because you know we we need that win in the causeway um and that's something you know that I that's always been kind of my mind to say we've had a successful season is one win and I know that's kind of childish but uh you know I don't know that's a great game and I, I love that time of year mm-hmm. but uh, a successful season now that I can see, I, I've seen what we can do, is honestly con- really contending for the top. If we make the top four, top three, I that's a fantastic year. Yeah, these I'm, I'm looking at our schedule now. It's going to be rough, um, especially you know you guys next week, and then Montana the week after. Um, I uh, and it's it's even harder to say in a time where I feel like every game in the Big Sky is is different mm-hmm. teams are teams are losing to teams that you think they should be vice versa it's you don't really i feel like you don't really know what's going to happen going into these games a successful season record wise to me is at least seven and four yeah i could see yeah. that all right so uh let's uh let's shift a little bit and let's talk a little bit about your defensive line you guys have a couple big players on the defensive line. Everybody knows George Obina, six-year senior. I mean, that guy's just wrecking ball. He had a scoop and score against Eastern Washington. I mean, that, right. dude's, just, that dude's impressive. But uh, there's another guy that's been popping for you, a guy named Darren Choates. Uh, he is, I believe, second in the Big Sky right now, causing fumbles. I might be wrong. I wrote that down somewhere. But, I mean, that guy is just wrecking shop right now. Who's playing better? Right. Oh gosh, that's a that's a loaded question. I honestly, our line is something that when I first got to Sac State was something that my friends and I always commented on. Um, we always thought that was our weakest point, and so right now, seeing them play just like out of their minds, you know, scoring touchdowns, it's I'm not sure I can say anyone's playing better. O- Obina was out last season, and so for him to even be back is just that's just amazing in itself. And now that they have all these you know weapons, it's I can't decide. I, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I, I don't know who listens to this. <laughs> so beyond, yeah, that was a loaded one. <laughs> yeah. So beyond Obina and Choates, what's the depth behind them? Because what the Cats have been doing so far this year is basically, and as Jeff Choate, our head coach, will describe it, just body blows all game long. So by the time the third quarter rolls around, the fourth quarter, quarter rolls around, Mm-hmm. Defense is pretty much gassed, and that and our little two yard, three yard runs turn into ten yard, fifteen runs, and we just start steamrolling people. So, what 
you think you have the depth to kind of withstand the barrage of the running game that the Bobcats are going to send at you? You know, I'd like to say we do. Um, I look at I look at the Arizona State game. I look at the Fresno State game. And yes, I know those are FBS games, and a lot of times people don't. They're they're different. Uh, obviously, different styles of play and everything. But I think if you look at those games, we're in it until the very end. And if that's any indication of how our line is, or how our depth is, then I I think I think we hang tough. All right, Colin. Well, we want to thank you for your time, man. And is there any way uh, you can tell our listeners how to follow some of your work? Yeah, of course. Uh, my Twitter account is uh, at one underscore Hornets on Twitter. And uh, it's basically just kind of rantings of me or, you know, comments when we do well, uh, not usually when we suck because I don't want to tweet that out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, follow me. Uh, I have, uh, you know, reactive updates to most Sac State things. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. Um, please give me a follow. <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, maybe you can reach out to some of the Big Sky Podcast Network guys and maybe get on that uh, Big Sky Big Takes. Uh, yeah, not, honestly, I, I've never been on a podcast before, so uh, I, I didn't really understand how that would work. But now I have this under my belt. I might just do that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll uh, make sure to pass it along. I think once the guys hear the interview, they'll would love to get you on. And, you know, the whole point of the Big Sky Podcast Network and Kind of what we do is just to connect fans across the Big Sky and kind of make the community we have and grow it and grow the brand of the Big Sky football. So I appreciate of you coming course. on, taking some time out of your day to come on, and uh, appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, Colin, before you go, man, the week after, you guys got to take it to the Grizzlies for us. Come on now. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send a text to Taylor, uh, Coach Taylor. <laughs> I'll let him know. <laughs> no. Right Thanks, on, guys. That would make our day. For sure. All right. <laughs> Same. All right, cool, man. Thank you. We'll see you. This is our segment with Colin Powers of the Hornet House. I appreciate him coming on. He was a good sport and a lot of fun talking to other fans. Like, as we've reiterated several times and, well, actually multiple times, we're a fan-based podcast, so it's always fun to talk to other fans because, I mean, that's really the whole point of our podcast and the Big Sky Podcast Network in general is just to get fans engaged and connected the Big Sky Conference. So thanks again, Colin, for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good talking to him. Uh, I hope he starts his own podcast for Sac State. Uh, me too. That'd be cool. Right on, man. Hey, Thorny, as it's kind of to just wrap up this Sac State talk. What do you think it's going to take for the Bobcats to win? Hey, Colin, I just the Hornet Hour. There you go. There's your podcast name. I like it. But <laughs> for us to, <laughs> to beat Sac State, so there's a, there's a few... St- Things that jumped out to me as I kind of look at the stats, the national stats for Sacramento State. Sac State is number 15 total offense in the country, number nine scoring offense. They're the number 18 rushing defense, but where we might have an opportunity, uh, they're only 105th in passing defense. So I think, honestly, this game, I think it's going to take a big game out of our quarterbacks, Tucker Rovig, or whether it's Travis Johnson doing a little actually flipping the ball to Logan Jones when it comes triggering across. I think we're going to have to have 200 yards passing the ball, I think, to beat a team like Sac State, who's so prolific on offense and who has uh, the number 18 rushing defense in the country. Like, they might actually be able to maybe not shut our, our rushing offense down, but at least severely hinder it. We're going to have to be able to move the ball through the air. What are your thoughts? We're going to have to get to Thompson. I think that's the key to the game right there, containing him so he's not using his legs. He rushed for two touchdowns last 
last week. He accounted for five touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. This guy is a true dual-threat quarterback, and he's not going away. He'll be here next year, right? So we need to get to him. Derek Marks, man, that guy has been the unsung hero of the the defensive line this year. Uh, I need him to hurry up and get that guy to the ground, make him feel uncomfortable. I think that's the biggest key. Is we got we to gotta contain Thompson. We got to get to him. We got to hit him. We got to play him like we played Cookus. I think Thompson's going to get his uh, passing yards in the very beginning of the game. Come fourth quarter, as we like to say, the body blows are just going to stack up. I just don't think they're going to out-tough us. I don't think anybody in the big sky right now is going to out-tough us. And I think that's one thing we have. That's our ace in the hole right there. No, I agree with that for sure. And I do want to say that, all right, so the Bobcats are number two in the Big Sky Conference and only allowing six sacks all year against the quarterbacks. Guess who's number one? Sack? That's right. They've only allowed five five sacks all year against Kevin Thompson. So getting to the quarterback may prove to be difficult considering that's, I mean, that, that stat is against two FBS opponents. He's been sacked five total times in their game. So if you're getting to him is key. Sacks don't always reflect the pressure you've got, but I think we need to get a couple in this game to really kind of rattle them. We need to get some hits on them. Same kind of thing we do all year, right? Whether it's Daniel Santa Canarina, Kes Kukas, we've got to get to him. We've got to hit him and just throw him off his game. I think that's a big thing. we got to do it. And the other thing I think we really have to do, Elijah Dodson isn't having the rushing year he had last year, but he's having a big year out of the backfield. And I think that's something the Bobcats have kind of struggled with it struggled with in the recent history is guarding running backs in the flat of the backfield on passing routes. So that's another thing we really got to keep an eye on. We got to keep someone on Elijah Dotson out of the backfield. I think if we can get some pressure on Thompson and keep Dotson in check in the receiving game, I think we have a good chance to, to win this game at home. I don't like to make too many predictions just because it, I just don't like it, but I think the Bobcats have a chance to win big this Saturday. Yeah, I can't take that back now. I think when listening to Jeff today talk about, like, hey, we're going to have full attention. I mean, he always says that, right? But he went out of his way to praise Sac State, saying they're legitimately should be ranked probably number 12 to 15 in the nation right now. Um, Being at 26, I mean, that just goes to show you that some people are not paying attention. They're a legit team. Or what What do you think, Jeff Choate says the opponent we're playing is unbeatable? Where have you heard that before? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know every single press conference ever. <laughs> what I'm saying, Thorny, is just the importance he's putting on it. And he said he's going to have the attention uh, of his players, and I think that's super important. Like It's homecoming. We got the best team we're going to play this year so far, you know, exclude Texas Tech, at Bobcat Stadium. The cats are going to come out fired up. I really think the cats are going to come out fired up. Uh, we might be too fired up. Who knows how the first quarter plays out? But man, come fourth quarter, I like her toughness. I really like her toughness. I think we're going to get to Thompson, like you said. I think that Dotson's going to be that X factor if we can contain him in the screen game. You know, I like that. So I think our running game is going to do fine. I say that, and then I have a whole bunch of doubt because I'm looking at number 99 on their media guide. Obina, that guy is just <laughs> a six-year senior. He's, he's, a just look, he's just a wrecking ball. And then they got Darren Choates, who's just like, he's another wrecking ball, man. So they, they got some studs on the D-line. I will say this, though. What Ooh. defensive lineman so far this year has wrecked 
the offensive line for the Bobcats. It's a good point. Nobody. Really good point. We've, we've come yeah. up to some uh, stellar players. Like, it's not like last year in the Eastern Washington game specifically where I remember that stud defensive line for the Eagles. I can't remember his name now, but he actually sacked, like, Troy Anderson like two times in one game. Like, yeah. That was, like, unheard of. I just don't <laughs> think that this Bobcat offensive line, this team, is going to allow a one single defensive player to affect a game like they did last year. So I think that is a big difference between last year. The other thing I thought was interesting, uh, in the press conference, Jeff Cho alluded to the fact that he thinks that Sac State is basically plays this exactly the same style of offense that we do. They do the same thing, only they're a little bit better, clearly a lot better. His words, I think, were better in the passing game. So I think that actually kind of plays into our strength because uh, we might be kind of used to the offense they're running and then we'll be able to maybe have a better game plan to shut it down from the get-go. Keys to the Bobcat victory. We need to balance offensive attack. The same thing I said last week. Tuckerovic's got to go for about 200, 225. We have to have some intermediate routes completed and a couple of deep balls completed in this one. That's going to really open up that Travis Johnson QB run option game right there. So those are the key things I'm looking for. I Like I said earlier, get to Thompson, shut down Dodson. I feel a lot better about this game than I did two days ago when I heard uh, Munchie will be back in this game. That makes me feel a lot better about, I think, like the number two passing quarterback in the Big Sky Conference, if not number one. I can't remember, but like Thompson's right up there. So he's going to present problems, and I'm just glad we have our best defensive back available for this game. Cool. All right, you want to move on to our recap of our bold predictions from last week? For sure, man. I'll start with mine. I predicted my bold prediction with that Tucker Rovick would throw for 175 yards. Uh, he ended up at 163. Did not quite make it. <laughs> so close. That's like the second week in a row. I've been like literally like 20, 30, within 5% of my bold prediction. What was your bold prediction? That we would start slow. And I can't, I don't know if we did or not. I mean, do you count, uh, what is it? How many plays did Cal Poly run on their first drive that took 12 minutes? It was. Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Can, I'm going to forget that one. Or I probably won't. I want to forget that one. So does that count start slow? Um, I'm going I'm I'm to say no. We, we all had one possession in the first quarter. We scored 14 points in the second quarter, 14 to seven and a half time. I'm not saying that's a slow start. Okay, cool. I'll take that. Take that as a loss. Let's move on to our new bold predictions. What is your bold prediction for Sacramento State? This is very bold. Three sacks. <laughs> you took my exact bold prediction, my exact number of sacks. Oh, my gosh. Okay, hold on. So I did have a little asterisk next to that sacks. Two by Derek Marks. I mean, you don't have to expand on it. I will go ahead and rethink mine. I will say, <laughs> so Sac State's been averaging against Division One or FCS opponents, something like 500 yards a game. I'm saying we hold their entire team to less than 425 yards of total offense. So, so are you saying that we had the same exact bold prediction? We did, and I, I literally, <laughs> I didn't have one before we started this because I do my, I do my homework. So. I thought of that like literally like five seconds before you said that. I was like, son of a gun. You just said what I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, three. That was the number I came up with, too. That's fine. Okay, yeah. I'd be super happy if we get three sacks. That's my bold prediction. I think right, you and I make said, a good duo on this podcast, but sometimes 
were the same Ryan. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> All okay. right. So there's our bold predictions. Are you ready to move on to my buy or sell for the first time I've done it all season. I've been waiting for this all week, man. Hit me with it. It's not very exciting. Okay. <laughs> Number one, buy or sell fully. Does a win against Sacramento State guarantee a playoff berth for the Bobcats? So we would have six Division One wins. We have coming up the bye week. Thereafter is who we play right after that, Thorny. I'm not sure the schedule, like the order, but we got Northern Colorado, Southern Utah, UC Davis, and the Grizz. Okay, yeah. So I'm looking at it right now. We got North Dakota. Oh yeah, North Dakota. Sorry, yeah. We got five games left. Who is no slouch right now? They should be ranked, in my opinion. We're gonna beat Southern Utah. They're arguably the worst team in the Big Sky, and then we follow that up with the second worst team in the Big Sky, Northern Colorado. As long as we don't fall asleep, yes, that would give us eight wins. And I think in this 12 game season. Eight wins is probably going to be what you need in the big sky unless you win out. Like, so let's say uh, Eastern Washington wins out and they win the last six games of their season. They possibly could get into the playoff with the seven wins, but I think it's going to take eight. So, yeah, I think so. So you're buying that? I'm buying. Yes, I'm buying. Okay. Number two, Matt Miller has proven his value as an offensive coordinator. Is he still the offensive coordinator for the Bobcats? In 2020. I think so. I'm going to buy that. I don't think he's shown anything that is going to solicit many callers this <laughs> this offseason. Although it's only halfway done. I mean, not even halfway done. So if you think about it, if we get into the playoffs, we're halfway done with a regular season. How much more football do we have after that? Who knows? I still think he needs another year before he, he's entertaining suitors outside Montana State. You and I are going to our first Bobcat game in years for me. I assume also quite a healthy time for yourself. By yourself, we have extremely hoarse throats after the game. Oh, yeah. It's easy buy. Buy that all day long. It's I'm not a good person to watch a Bobcat game with. I apologize in advance. I've talked about this many times before. I'm going to be a nervous wreck. I should have said by yourself. Uh, fully storms off at least once during the game, just like stomps down the, and just, I can't see him anymore. <laughs> you know what I do? I, I mask it. I say, I got to go use the bathroom. And so I'll walk to the bathroom and like try to calm myself down. I'm going to try to do better to this game. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Last buyer sale, not football related. My wife and I have had a debate on this. The skin on a rotisserie chicken. Do you eat it? Is it delicious or is it gross? Oh, I eat it. I'm going to buy that. Is that is that the, is that the buy? So buy is it delicious? Sell it's is delicious. It gross? Buy or sell? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm buying. It's delicious. I like the crunchy. Kind of like it. The little salty bits on the bat on the outside for sure. I'm gonna buy that. So I think I'm I went four for four there buying everything. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, buy or sell for myself. Buy or sell. Does a win against Sacramento State guarantee a playoff? I am going to actually sell that because. That sits us real pretty going the bye week, but I think North Dakota, UC Davis, and the Grizz, especially if we end the season on a two-game losing streak to the Davis and to the Grizz, even if we finish 8-4, ending on a two-game two losing streak, that's close. That's, we'll be a very bubble team at that point. It kind of depends on the rest of the field. So I sell that, but I think a win against Sac State says us very well. I just can't predict how those five games would go. 
Number two. Time out real quick. You're, you're saying that the eight and four Bobcats are a bubble team? If we, a team if, that if was we lost two in a row at the end, if we lost three out of our last four? No. <laughs> the, the committee uh, cares more about how you finish than how you start. If we lose three out of our last four or five, I mean, that's a serious thought about how the rest of the field looks above us. Step back from the ledge, Thorny. Just saying. I don't think a win guarantees it at this point. Okay. Number right. two. Matt Miller still our offensive coordinator next year. I'm going to buy that. I wasn't sure what he had to respond because uh, a lot of people praise his creativity and he's a rising star and all that. But I agree with you 100%. I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't think he has a resume to get himself an FBS job. But I think that's ultimately where he's going to end up probably after next year if things continue the way that they continue right now. Number three is an easy one. We're going to our first game. Horse throats. Yes, I'm going to have a horse throat by halftime because I'm not used to yelling anything anymore. So, yeah, we'll be able to talk after the game. Number four, obviously, the Lord of Question. My wife and I argue about this. Eating the skin on rotisserie chicken is delicious and crunchy and salty. And I don't care how fatty and gross it is. It's amazing and delicious. And there's a reason that, like, fancy restaurants serve chicken skin chips or whatever on their menus because it's delicious. So that was my <laughs> buy or sell. What do you think, my first attempt? I liked it, man. I liked the non-Bobcat one at the very end. I'm going to have to put more of those into our buyer's shelf. Got to slip something in there. Yeah. Right on, man. Cool. I like to change it up. That was good, dude. Nice job. Okay, so we did a really, really poor job of peppering in the golden Kooji questions. I completely we forgot We certainly to, did. I forgot to keep tabs on them as we went, so now we got to kind of just got to spew them all at once. <laughs> so... Why don't you... Yeah, go for it, Thorny. Number one uh, came from the Bobcat message board, catbacker underscore one. I'm going to paraphrase here. He said that uh, we're showing tremendous amount of conditioning this year. We've upgraded every aspect of the program for the coaching staff on both sides of the ball to adding Brittany Patera for nutrition to the Bobcat fuel. His opinion, though, is that, I guess, I'm sorry. His question is, is Wilcox getting our players properly prepared for the season and the punishment they will face, or is it time to start looking for an upgrade in our strength and conditioning department to continue to move this program forward? So basically, he's wondering, kind of is our strength and conditioning program kind of holding us back at this point and is it responsible for some of the injuries we're seeing i think jeff cho would have addressed that by now if will cox was not the dude so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna sell that <laughs> yeah uh, i mean i th- i think that clearly our conditioning is superior at this point like we're at lasting teams cal poly aside but even after the cal poly game you heard Derek smart talk about this is what we're built for. We're conditioned for this. And so we, we knew it would win the overtime game. I don't think Wilcox has any jeopardy of losing his job. Not, not by ourselves, but I think we're doing just fine in the strength and conditioning department compared to where, where we've been. Choate seems to always finish stronger in November. So, yeah, I think we're doing great. Yeah, I agree. All right. Number, number two golden Kuzi question. Is it fair? This comes from Chris Hammond on Twitter, Idaho State. Or no, jeez. I'm sorry, Chris. The Idaho Vandal fan <laughs> who <laughs> hosts the Topes of the Club podcast. I won't edit that out. I'll, uh, I'll I'll take that one. That was my fault. He asked, is it fair to judge the Montana schools differently on their comeback victory? So what that means is the Bobcats went down 21-0 against Northern Arizona, came back, stormed back. Some people think that that's a sign of weakness. The Grizz dropped. 0-17, part with the second quarter against Idaho State, stormed back to win big fashion. 
world beaters, national title contenders. Do you think it's fair to judge those comeback victories differently? Do they are they the same, or is it just kind of a media bias for the Cinderella darlings, the Grizzlies? I know this is going to come across as just being a cap fan, but I think I'm going to take the latter. I think people are just excited to say the Grizzlies are back in. They just want to kind of ride that momentum. At least the media does. I mean, you and I are just it's like, yeah, right? We do. I agree. Like, if this was something that happened under Bob Stitt, it would be a, a big, huge sign of, like, concern. But it happened under Bobby Houck. Everyone's just like, oh, the Grizz are back. Yeah, like, it's, I agree. That's just kind of a an overblown thing. People just wanting, desperately hanging, clinging to the Grizz being back, turning dominance under Bobby Houck. So I agree that... They're not just the same, and I don't think it's really fair to judge them the same because of the Bobby Houck factor. Yeah. I have nothing to say about Bobby Houck. That's nice, so I'm not going to say anything at all. Agreed. Don't do it. Okay, Shane Driscoll asks us, is Idaho good or bad? You go <laughs> first on that one. Very simple question, but a good question. I think they're bad. <laughs> Yeah, they're just bad. They're inconsistent. And if you're inconsistent in my book, you're bad. So I think that largely comes down to the coaching. I don't think Paul Pacino is going to be coached much longer. I have no like inside info on that. It's just my gut saying, Idaho, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sorry, Chris. And they're bad. I want so bad for them to be good because it just is good for the conference. It's good for Idaho. I want their fan base to get engaged and excited. And on board with being in the Big Sky Conference because I know they're kind of jaded from falling down from SBS, but I'm gonna have to agree. I don't think they're a very good team. I think the ceiling is kind of, you know, seven to five this year, and I'm not sure they'll get there. Yes, they they gave a good game to Weaver, but as long as Paul Petrino is coach and Mason Petrino is quarterback, they're not gonna be good in the Big Sky Conference. I'm just sorry, that's just kind of bored. Yeah, just what it is. Yeah. Okay, the, All right. the last question comes from the Grizz <laughs> fan pod. The question that made me laugh as soon as I read it. Who would win one-on-one, mano-a-mano, Jeff Choate versus a Grizzly Bear? That was the question directly from uh, the Grizz fan pod. Montana Parley added a little wrinkle to it. Jeff Choate versus a Grizzly Bear named Jeff Choate. But we're going to go with the original question of Jeff Choate versus <laughs> just a regular old Grizzly Bear whose name is probably just Bear. I mean, Monty. I mean, Barry. <laughs> I have no thoughts on that. I, I Honestly, Jeff Cho riding the Grizzly Bear after his first win <laughs> at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Uh, that's all I need to know. I put some thought into this at work while I was doing some <laughs> ho-hum Excel work. Jeff Cho, as an aura of toughness, right? He's a tough son of a bitch. There's no doubt. But one of Jeff Cho's biggest strengths is his gift for gab. He could sell snow to uh, an Eskimo, right? But the bear is not going to be persuaded by this useless jibber-jabber, but he might be even irritated by it. I was leaning towards the bear, but then I remember something. Jeff Choate preaches pad level, right? If there's one thing <laughs> Jeff Choate's done since he got here, get low, get low, pad level. It's all about pad level. So what Jeff Choate's going to do, he is going to use his pad level, his leverage, to take down the grizzly bear and ultimately will hogtie the bear with a rope he just keeps in his back pocket because he's Jeff Choate. And that's what it's going to be. He's going to hogtie the bear and then victory. Jeff Choate, 1 0, Grizzly Bear over Monty. What do you think? <laughs> that is so good. It's, I, have, <laughs> I have nothing right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, I like that. Just the whole visual of Jeff Joe pulling out. All right, like it paints a nice visual. Like you can see exactly this whole thing <laughs> happening. Uh, it's not yes, even unrealistic. No. Well, listen, let's debate this over some beers in Bozeman next Saturday. All yeah. right. Yeah, that's going to okay. be the come down. I've been trying to figure out how we're going to get people to come, like hang out with us or whatever. Come down. We'll we'll designate where we're going to hang out. We'll have some golden koozies for us for you. Come down to where we are. Tell us who you think is going to win, Jeff Choate versus the Grizzly Bear. To your chance to win a golden koozie. <laughs> <laughs> Thorny, you read all the golden koozie questions. We haven't decided on a winner. I'll let you decide. Got to be that one, right? Like it's got to be the just the comedic value. I like pertinent, poignant questions, but that was a left out of left field. It made me laugh. I got to go with the Grizz fan pod. I hate to say it. What What are your thoughts? Well, how many do I have to send them is what I want to know now. Oh, just one. I mean, okay. those guys probably drink like uh, White Claws, so yeah, they don't need a koozie for that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no laws when you're drinking the claws. Thinking that in my head. <laughs> I was, didn't know if you knew that amazing saying or not, but yeah, there's definitely no laws when you're drinking White Claws. <laughs> All right, let's get out of this thing, huh? Yeah, let's do that. Wrap it up. I want to uh, first thank Colin for coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, you can find us, our, our cat cast on Twitter. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. That's where all the action is. If you listen to, to us anywhere else, it'd be great if you subscribe to us and like us there. But if you listen to us on iTunes in particular, please like and give us a rating on there. Um, I'm excited for us to go to Bozeman for homecoming. Hope you guys come out to where, wherever we figure out. Maybe we'll put a poll out there. Where should we go drink? I think that's a good, I think it's a really good question because I don't really know where to go anymore. I haven't been there in a long time. So to continue on, let's just uh, end this with a classic old go Bobcats, go Cats. Go Cats.